Well, welcome to the Daily Objective, everyone. I'm sorry that about the technical issue. It looks like Razi's just cut out. We're on day 121 of the war. Um, and the topic we're going to be talking about today is the reaction to um, UNRWA, because you've been focusing a lot about UNRWA recently on the channel. And so we're going to be focusing on that and also some of the reaction that we're seeing from within Israel. Hey, Razi. Hey. Uh, yeah, my laptop decided now is the time uh, to shut down um which which means I, I don't i missed the last few seconds and i don't know uh what how much of the story you told but also i can't read it myself because it was on my laptop um no worries yeah. i was i i basically just said um that we're going to be talking a bit about unra and the reaction um that we've seen and reported in the new york times about um within within israel itself that's that's basically all i'd said uh, yeah, so I wanted to give a little bit of um, background on what the story was, and I will—I uh, was going to read it out, but I will read it out from memory. So there was a meeting between um, the head of UNRWA and the person in the Israeli Foreign Office that is in charge of uh, relationship, the relationship with the UN, and it was some sort of a routine meeting, but uh, it, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, at some point, the Israeli official said, look, we have information about uh, UNRWA, people who were involved in uh, in October 7th uh, and, and that were involved in the kidnapping. And um, uh, yeah, so the head of uh, the head of UNRWA went to New York, spoke to uh, the head of the UN. Um, they they started talking about it. They fired some people. Uh, and then it was revealed somehow to the U.S. and Israel was not prepared for this. Um, and basically, this is uh, this became a, a, a bit of a you know it became what it is now. Now the issue in Israel with that is they didn't want that to happen because they have this idea that you know we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't completely destroy UNRWA because what if something worse comes along? And for as far back as I can remember, this was what people in Israel said about Yasser Arafat. This is why we shouldn't we shouldn't kill him. Uh, this is what people have, have said about Hamas for the past uh, 20 years or so. We, we shouldn't completely uh, defeat them. We shouldn't, um, you know, every time there was a military operation in Gaza, the goal was never the elimination of Hamas. So, um, uh, yeah, Israel is clearly not learning uh, from from the lessons of uh, of its own policies and following them, um, unfortunately, and we know how that ends. Yeah, and I guess well, just before we go into some of the things I was wondering about, is there a what do you what do you view as some of the root of that? Then is there a kind of is it a philosophical problem? Is there almost like a self esteem problem in Israel with how people are react? Because well, I get I guess I'll say part of what I was going to react is that it's a strange reaction in a way because this is a clear this is an enemy in the clear light of day right in front of you. And in a sense, um, something which has been needing to happen for decades has happened, which is that people have seen UNRWA for what it really is and for how it's um, not an agency of peace. It's an agency, in effect, of the continuation of war. And so then to have that enemy on its knees about to be defeated by the end of the month and to then be kind of umming and ahhing and pulling back, um, there's something really strange in that about that reaction. And so is that... Is that and you and you basically kind of are saying that that's typical of the Israeli response because that's how they reacted to Yasser Arafat. Um, so, so where where is this coming from? 
Yeah, it's not just typical of, I mean, it's it's consistent, completely consistent with Israel's response every single time, including after October 7th. We've talked about how after October 7th, uh, there are daily attacks from the north. There are uh, almost daily attacks or daily attempts at attacks from the West Bank. And Israel um, doesn't really act. It acts in, in this pinpoint um, uh, responses that they did against Hamas until October 7th. So they are repeating exactly the same things that they were that they were doing um in the past where it comes from uh i i don't know because i i you know there's only the benefit of the doubt implies that there is some doubt that the person doesn't know what the result of their actions is going to be there can be no doubt at this point certainly with with uh, israel's leader netanyahu who actually wrote a book explaining why his current policies are the worst thing the, the worst thing that you can do against terrorism um yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, as a human being, Netanyahu, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, is written off, certainly as a leader. For sure. Um, and I guess something else I'll say just about this article reporting on it. I'm not a regular reader of the New York Times, but um, and I can I can see why I'm not I'm not a regular reader, not only just because of their typical um editorial line which i which i think um i can get that kind of view from other british newspapers which are a bit better and also i kind of don't like them for you know people like walter Geranti and all this kind of stuff but um the language throughout the article was basically persistently shifting blame and kind of suspicion upon israel so it was the language was kind of um suggesting that the israeli military was um making the allegations against the UNRWA employees very cynically um, and that it was coming in retaliation for the um, the court case in the International Court of Justice, because apparently some of the lawyers on the South African side have referenced information from UNRWA. Um, and so that is that is basically suggesting that Netanyahu saw that the International Court of Justice was doing this and then found some information or perhaps even fudged it um, in order to, to get some revenge. Whereas actually this information has been coming out against UNRWA for a long time and should have been as impactful as it has been much sooner. Um, that was something that Ethan Fishberger, when we interviewed him the other day, uh, was very eloquent on that point. This is this is something which has been a long time coming. And for the New York Times to be casting aspersions on Israel's motivations here, that their motivations are anything other than ordinary kind of self-defense against um, an organization which is supposed to be on their side and yet which is actually undermining them, is just extraordinary. So the whole language of the article was infuriating and... <laughs> People are going to get bored of me making this allegation, but there, there is, I have to say, something so anti-Semitic about the continual um, suggestion that Israel is kind of scheming, rubbing its hands, you know, <laughs> plotting uh, um, to do things without on bad faith. Whereas actually, we don't see any mo any evidence of that at all. And in some way, when people talk about Israel, they can't. They just seem to not be able to keep these tropes from leaping out of their mouths. It really is quite extraordinary. Um, did you find did you find the article frustrating in that same way, Razi? Yes, although it's it's uh, more of the same. I mean, it's it, it's always uh, frustrating to see how how Israel responds to it, to the threats against it in in uh, in the face of evidence that this is disastrous a disastrous policy. Uh, I saw somewhere also that um, there was something by Netanyahu. Netanyahu was reported to have said that um, uh, we should get rid of UNRWA. And we should replace it with a different UN agency. So I, you know, um, 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss. Like, I don't know how, how you can, uh, you can look at what is it going to be replaced by? Is it going to be replaced by something like the, the idea that Netanyahu, by the way, previously uh, was reported to have had uh, for what will happen in Gaza after, after the war, which is that some uh, armed families uh, will, uh, will, will be in charge of, uh, in, in charge of, security in Gaza. Those armed families are already there and they're already armed and they were armed under Hamas. So what does that mean? That's, uh, you know, white labeling as it as it's called when, uh, you know, we mentioned that uh, last time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think, you know, wh- wherever Israel has enemies, uh, Israeli leadership will convince itself and try to convince the people why it's good to keep those enemies around because Maybe there are worse enemies uh, just around the corner. By the way, Morgan, since uh, my laptop died, I'm unable to read any comments in the chat. So uh, that that is on you or on Daniel to send you. No, for sure. I've got a couple of super chats, which we'll get to. But Daniel, if there's any insightful comments that people are making, you can send them my way and we can we can discuss them a little bit. Um, yeah, I agree that there's the idea that Israel thinks that they shouldn't oppose or they shouldn't actually get rid of UNRWA for fear that something worse will replace it. I think, you know, I'll, I'll explicate that a bit more, I guess, but I think at the root of it has to be, I guess, a problem with principled thinking. I think that's maybe what the issue is because the kind of reasoning, I guess, is this, it's the same kind of thing. And, you know, I guess I'm going to ridicule it here that you see in kind of police crime shows, if that makes sense. I, so I recently rewatched the series Life on Mars, which is a British um, crime police drama that's set in the seventies, right? And the, the lead police officer is really corrupt and he's, he, you know, he go, he just goes with his gut kind of thing. And so he, when it comes to gangsters, he takes bribes from the gangsters and the, and the modern police officer who's been transported back in time is shocked by this. Is that how, how could you do this? He says, well, because if, you know, these guys actually keep the worst elements under wraps and actually if he weren't there, he would be replaced by something much worse. And it's the same kind of reasoning in effect that Israel's making. Um, and yet, you know, the TV show is quite eloquent on this point. Um, in that actually this just leads to the further corruption of the city that he's trying to protect and he's selling his own integrity down the river Um, and it actually leads to the situation being much worse and so the Israeli military's reasoning seems to be the same um, that they need to keep this corrupt organization around even though they know it's acting against Israel's interests um, just in case something worse replaces it and maybe actually that's also just kind of arbitrary speculation maybe they have information which we don't about who would maybe spring up in its place. But the reason, and the only worst organization that I could see springing up in its place would be something led by um, Israel's Arab neighbors. If if in effect there was a new agency to be set up that was being led by Jordan or something like that, maybe that would be worse. But the problem with UNRWA was that it in effect was being run on the ground by members of Hamas or by the, the most extreme elements. So the idea that, they were just kind of being run by the United Nations isn't really true. Uh, this was just a, ultimately a proxy, at, on certainly in the education, and it would have been in the schools as well. Um, so, do, I mean, do you do you think there's something in that that it's a problem with principled thinking, long like with thinking in the long term? 
I mean, it was run by by the United Nations. The fact that on the ground it was run by by terrorists is is not something that is news to anybody in the United Nations. They knew all along what what it was that they were, um, you know, that that was was being done in in their name, and it was a cash cow, you know, and and, and it still is. I mean, the temporary pause in funding so so that a few people can be fired is not. The end of UNRWA, and again, as 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 we hear, you know, if it is the end of UNRWA, it'll be UNRWA, but with a different name uh, and and the exact same organization. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, like what October seventh should have been in terms of what Israel's response um, should have been militarily is is Gaza being a completely different place immediately. Uh, the fact that four months later we're still talking about when you know is the ceasefire imminent and what is Israel gonna um, agree to have instead shows how Israel is is uh, treating the enemy that said it did the attack. So anything that can that has plausible deniability, supposedly like UNRWA, although I again I don't know how uh, how they would have that, um, Israel will will let them get away with it and um, and will make a little bit of noise. And uh, the U.S. is making a little bit of noise, and a few other countries are are you know doing what they're doing with pausing the funding. But no, uh, the idea that anything fundamental will change, uh, I, I'll believe that something fundamental will change when we hear more people talk, like the Czech defense minister uh, talked a few months ago when she said uh, that the UN, the, the UN, not UNRWA, the UN supports terrorists and the Czech Republic has no place in such an organization. When I hear that from the U.S. Um, and, and from, from Israel, then I'll believe that there are there's an opportunity for change because it does have to come from the leadership and, uh, you know, and not from us talking here on the channel. Uh, although, again, if we talk here on the channel and the leadership listens, uh, maybe that'll that'll help. But uh, no. And, and, and by the way, Whoever is hoping for an alternative, uh, you know, Trump is already, uh, I don't know if you heard it very recently, last night, I think he uh, uh, said something about how Israel chickened out of the uh, of uh, the assassination of uh, Soleimani. So, you know, he's already he's already stated in several occasions where he stands on on this. And we know where he stands on Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, the current uh, U.S. administration is not doing what needs to be done. The uh, only likely alternative to it will also not do what needs to be done, will possibly be worse. And uh, yeah, I, I think in Israel it's the same. I don't see an alternative that's going to say, look, this organization is corrupt. The UN as an organization is corrupt uh, in its essence, because its essence is all countries are equal, no matter who is who is uh, leading them. You know, it's, this is like in, a, in, a, in any society, if you treat law-abiding citizens and and uh, criminal gangs uh, as as equal because that is what dictators uh, dictatorships are so yeah that's my long rant about how everything is hopeless <laughs> well i think it's a conclusion that's tough to avoid um given that we we follow the news on israel quite as closely as we do we have to take in all the um all the really bad evidence so keeping if people think that in the long term we should be optimistic, it's quite hard to to think quite on that abstract level sometimes when you're taking in the daily news, particularly the daily news from the New York Times. Um, but you're right, though, and basically the point that you're making there was Ayn Rand's problem with the UN and people, you know, 
as always, though we try and do our best to vindicate Rand's perspective, she, she'll be much more eloquent on it than we are. So people should go check out what she had to say on the UN. I can't remember exactly where she makes her comments on the UN. Perhaps it's actually in person in one of her interviews. Um, but I think, you know, the root of what you're saying as well, because I'm trying to locate what the philosophical problems are as best I can. And the other one, I guess, has to be altruism, um, that people are uncomfortable in some way with destroying UNRWA because UNRWA's ostensible aim is charitable. Um, and this is something which, you know, we're talking from the Israeli perspective, but certainly in the West, I've seen people lamenting very much the destruction of UNRWA because it is this, this charitable organization which people are claiming is indispensable to the humanitarian relief efforts on the ground to the extent that they're able to be done. Um, and Eitan as well has one of the most interesting Twitter feeds at the moment. And he tweeted something out the other day, which was um, a document that was looking at how much aid is actually going getting into the Gaza Strip from Egypt. Now, what was interesting about the New York Times article we, we were reading in preparation for this is that they referred to the aid as meager. But actually, this document that Eitan was tweeting out, if it was correct, I haven't verified it, um, was that the aid was actually you know, not as bad as people were saying it was. And if it was so woefully insufficient, then the logical conclusion we have to assume is that it's being stolen by Hamas. Um, and, you know, and this further goes to the point that Hamas actually doesn't care about its own people, completely treats them as instrumental um, to its goals. And for people then to continue supporting UNRWA because it's, you know, it's charitable and we hold an altruistic standard. Um it is suicidal in the long run. Yeah, it's suicidal and it's uh, factually incorrect. UNRWA is not a charitable organization. It's not people contributing to it. It's it's taxpayers' money from different countries. You know, so uh, I I'm not a, a supporter of UNRWA uh, morally, but I am a supporter of UNRWA financially uh, against my will. So uh, that's not charity. Charity is when you actually choose to give to uh to somebody but but uh, but it can be uh again like the, the truth doesn't really matter to, certainly to to the people who are, who are uh you know on the anti-israel side it, it actually matters in the sense that it's it's something to be uh to be denied so they can push it as a as a charitable organization they can uh uh you know say that uh what was it about hamas that you you um uh you just mentioned that 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 they're basically um taking aid that's coming in that should be going to the people right yeah that's what I yeah so so uh which of course is is uh you know ridiculous to claim that that is the the whole story as opposed to uh you know Hamas being very much uh, in control of UNRWA and uh you know there, there there's no need to steal you know maybe there's one place where UNRWA uh people aren't uh, you know too happy with what's going on you know, i'm sure there are inner conflicts even within hamas but uh but yeah uh, to treat these organizations to not treat these organizations one and the same uh is is a denial of the facts of reality as as they were known before october 7th and as they are like undeniably known at this point so yeah, yeah. that is what we're dealing with for sure. And I guess, well, I'll give another plug to Eitan's Twitter feed because it is very good. Um, he's doing the proper kind of um, boot and spade work that investigative investigative journalists should be doing. Again, another thing he was tweeting out was looking at UNRWA's um, vetting processes for their members of staff and basically showing that they don't have them. Um, and this was a document which is on the UNRWA website, which anyone can go look at, um, and which is a kind of 
questionnaire or a form basically which they give to people when they're applying to work at UNRWA um, and it basically is telling them that you know they need to be neutral and it's in effect kind of like the documents which you sign when you come into an airport in the US right you basically sign the box that says no I'm not a terrorist as if what what is the point of that is the terrorist ever going to say oh you caught me yes I am please take me away so these people when it when it's talking about neutrality um it's you know it's basically the same kind of thing it's saying are you a, a member of a terrorist organization and the person just says no i'm not and it's like oh good well in you come then so there is no real vetting process at all um to stop people from hamas coming in which is obviously and these people are much more integrated into the population than people in the west would really like to admit so yeah and it Again, there's no official vetting process uh, on the part of uh, on on the part of the UN. There certainly is some unofficial uh, vetting process on uh, on the part of uh, of Hamas. You know, so the people who control things on the ground, without a doubt, they vet. Uh, you know, they vet who who is in. Um, you know who who can be a part of uh, who can be a part of UNRWA at least to a to a large extent. So. Um, and and again, I'm I'm repeating myself, but this is uh, this is not something that wasn't known. This is not something that wasn't known to people, uh, you know, people in UNRWA who are working in uh, offices in uh, in New York or elsewhere. This is not something that was unknown to the leadership of the UN. Uh, this was this has always been the case, uh, you know. So now now a little bit is being done, but uh, let's let's not forget that if if anybody accepts the existence of this organization as something as something legitimate then um then then they are somewhere on the spectrum of the wrong side yeah um and so well as you say the problems with UNRWA have been known about for years and perhaps they've been known more to people who are really kind of um well either in israel let's say or if you know in the west someone who's slightly more geeky about this kind of um information because i understand for most people the idea that you're going to know a lot about one of these random wings of the UN is probably not very likely. You pro it's probably not an area of the news you attend to very much and so on. So this information might seem like it's relatively new. But there's information like this, which has been coming out for a long time in Western news sources, and it's reaching a critical mass at the moment. But that the fact that it might seem like it's being reported on more at the moment um, doesn't mean that this information doesn't go back a long way. Um, Eitan, again, was mentioning in his initial interview with Eras, the information at least going back to 2004, um, about um, UNRWA bags containing ammunition and all this kind of stuff, right? And something, again, that was appalling about the New York Times article was it was kind of suggesting that um, Israel has had this long-term unwarranted bias against UNRWA, and now it's, you know, they've managed to find something that they, you know, you look long enough and you'll find something. But the whole premise of UNRWA is something which is anti-Israeli. In effect, the whole way they define um, Palestinian refugees to the point that there's, is it 6 million or something now? Um, so many decades, and so this is refugees from the war of 1948, so many decades after it happened. Someone like Edward Said, who was born in 1935 in Jerusalem, even though he emigrated to the UK and then to the US and had citizenship in other countries, was counted as until the day he died in 2001, 2002, as a refugee, even though he'd no longer clearly earned that status. Um, so the whole premise of UNRWA is anti-Israeli and is designed to um, continue the idea that 
Israel's whole existence is unjust. And you can see that whole attitude in UNRWA's spokespeople, this guy, Chris Gunners, who no longer works for them, but did until 2019 has come back out of the woodwork. He's a guy from the UK. And you can see from his whole perspective on the issue that it's not like he's neutral on this. He's, it's not like the that UNRWA employees are just coming uh, from the perspective, we just want to help people. We don't want to take one side or the other. They're clearly leaning towards one side. But go on. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, this is not something that's unique to UNRWA. Like UNRWA is this bad apple within the UN. Like you have, you know, a, a multinational company and you have one person fudging the, the numbers or something and, and uh, you know, like taking, stealing from the company. This is this is what the UN is. I mean, if you look at UN agencies, this is this has always happened. You know, there was a child, um, uh, you know, um, what was it? Child molestation scandal uh, in Africa by some UN agency. There was, uh, um, uh, what was it? The oil for food program. There's, uh, there's if you if you want to get away with things that you can't get away with normally in in uh, normal society, the best place to go is get a job at the UN and, and especially one of those uh, UN agencies that are you know one step removed from the central office because you will get to do whatever you want and you can you have the uh, immunity that comes with being the UN and and the moral immunity that comes with it so uh yeah th this is why you know we we've been talking about unra a lot and and being specific but we should we should talk broadly and and uh, mention we we've, we've done that long before october 7th we've uh, called for for free countries to leave the un you know it doesn't need the organization doesn't need to be abolished north korea and iran and uh, uh whoever else can continue i mean i wouldn't let iran continue to exist as it is today but you know all, all these north korea china russia can have their own security council where they decide um you know who's allowed to defend itself but we shouldn't be a part of it. And um, uh, yeah, and, and also an organization, I think, of free countries would look differently and would be, um, you know, less, uh, well, well, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. Uh, anyway, we do have TRS Extra coming up soon. Uh, you mentioned there are some super chats. Uh, by the way, I can't, as I mentioned, can't see the chat at all. Yes, sure. So we have uh, $20 from Akira Felix, who says for Razzie's new laptop fund. So there you go, Razzie, you've got a little contribution towards that. And we have $1 from Bonnie. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Um, and those are the ones we have. Thanks. And yeah, I, I I turned it on again and it turned off again. So I am a little bit worried about what this laptop uh, is, what, what its condition is, but we will find that out uh, in some future episode. Uh, all right, uh, TRS Extra is uh, starting in a couple of minutes. Morgan, what is uh, the topic or topics for that? Uh, we're talking about Joe Biden's um, sanctioning of um, four settlers in the West Bank. Uh, so we're talking about that and its implications. Why is it happening now? Uh, it was done through an executive order. We're going to talk a bit about executive orders and all, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and you are joined by Michael Leibowitz, um, Mark Pellegrino, and I might try to join somehow, but I, if I do, I'll be fashionably late. And uh, uh, But yeah, anybody, that is, by the way, that is for YouTube members, so you do need to become a member. You can click the join uh, button on, on YouTube right now, and you will have access to that. If you are a member through the website and not through YouTube, you can also join the Zoom call for that. That doesn't mean you can participate. It means you can watch it on Zoom and, and there's the Zoom chat, which is its own uh, separate chat. Uh, thanks, Morgan. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We will be back with The Daily Objective tomorrow.